that we're just to highlight something that we said about the week of prayer and fasting. Uh, we love to spend time praying uh, in the church and to set aside some time to pray. There are many needs in our church at the moment, many, many needs, and a big Christmas project coming up. There's lots of stuff going on in church, so we want to pray. Uh, and as you can see, as, as has been mentioned already, uh, next Sunday what we're going to do, we've done a wee devotional booklet uh, because we've based our week of prayer on Ephesians chapter 3, 14 to 21, which is eight, eight verses. So the verse a day for the, the, the eight days and stuff. The times are there. We'll be giving these out next Sunday and stuff. And we would love you to set aside just some time. We know you can't get to them all because people are working and there are other commitments and stuff. But when you get this or when you want to screen that with the times just setting aside some time to come and pray we believe in the power of prayer in this church we really do we believe that God is doing a work in our church at the moment it is our answer to the many prayers that have been prayed for many years and so there are many other needs that we want to pray for uh, in church as well and we want to just set aside this time uh, to do this but we're going to come to the word now and uh, I'm just going to pray before we we get into the word father we thank you as we gather in your house with your people once again father we come tonight of all the places we could be we are here and father we don't just want to come and have a religious service tick a box that says we've been to church Father, we want to meet with you. We want to encounter you. Father, we want you to speak to us through your word, by your spirit tonight, Father. Father, as we come on these Sunday nights, we've come with these words of challenge and encouragement. And may this one tonight be the same, Lord, as we come, Father, just to take a look at your word now in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if you've been here on recent Sunday nights, we've been uh, really looking at a few different topics that encourage us in our Christian walk, whether it's confused or committed that Pastor Reese uh, spoke on, more than a Sunday faith that, that Rebecca spoke on last week. Uh, and tonight we're looking at this thought of not just keeping going, because we can hear that quite a few times, but actually that, that we keep growing as well. That's important for all of us uh, that in the Christian life, not just to keep going but to keep growing uh, growth is often a long process it takes a lifetime to conquer it involves discipline if you ever want to make some changes to your life if you ever want to do something that is good for you that helps you grow I remember once going to the gym I only went once and the instructor was in there and he said to me he says if you want to get fit and you want to lose weight and one of those this is the program that you need to stick to now when he shared that with me I thought now nah, you're all right <laughs> no I thought to myself because she said this is the way that you lose weight this is the way that you get fit it's, it's a process it's a discipline and often at times when we come to our spiritual life we don't realize that it is the same that it's a process that it's a discipline um, these three quotes everybody knows I like a quote so I shall introduce uh, tonight with three quotes the first one is this there are no shortcuts to spiritual maturity no shortcuts to spiritually growing up uh, I said there's just simply none he says whenever somebody says to you if you're ever driving with them and they say I know a shortcut 
You immediately know that's a complete disaster because it's not a shortcut. It'll take you the long way round. It'll do all of those things. If somebody says to you, I know a quicker way of doing that. My particular skill in life is not DIY. I'm not very good at it. If I'm given some DIY to do, it says I will look for the quickest and the fastest way to do it or a shortcut. And I've suddenly realised after things fall down and after things break after a week and after my wife tells me you are useless at DIY, I realise there's just no shortcuts to it. In a Christian life there is no shortcuts to spiritual maturity, no shortcuts to what God wants to do in our lives. So if we're looking at growth then I like this second one that says spiritual growth depends on two things. First, a willingness to live according to the word of God. Second, a willingness to take whatever consequences emerge as a result of living according to the word of God. The word of God is not a book, the Bible is not a book that we just read. We take in the head knowledge and think to ourselves, that's lovely, those are lovely we thought. Sir. It says actually we take it and we apply it to our lives. There is a challenge in that for us to, in the willingness to live according to the word of God we've got to put into practice what the word of God says and finally the third quote in this life I can never say I have arrived it is finished look at me I am holy none of us can say that not even the pastor can say that he says not even I can turn around and say you know something I've made it none of us have made it we're all a work in progress we're under construction God is still doing a work in all of our lives and we're thankful for that and that's part of the growth that we go through that we keep on growing and we're going to look at a bible verse a couple of bible verses in the book of Colossians and just to give you by way of introduction here the Apostle Paul is writing to the church here at Colossae. And I've always said this about the New Testament letters that Paul writes. They are a great encouragement and challenge to us because he's writing to these people, these Christians are gathered together in churches, going through the many difficulties and challenges of the Christian life, uh, just like many of us are, if not all of us are. And so Paul writes these letters to encourage, to teach, uh, to challenge. And he's encouraging them in their journey, uh, in their going, but also their growing as well. Now the church there is known for two things and I think this is a wonderful two things that they're known for. Of all the things if you mention a church's name and you know if you mention different churches immediately thoughts come into people's head of what that church represents. I hope that when we mention the word living hope uh, that people actually think favourably and, and good of us that this is a place that cares for people, that loves God, that worships Jesus Christ. And so we use that example here for what the church at Colossae was known for. And I thought this is excellent. The first thing is this, is they love God. They love God and, and that vital, the most important thing that everything they did was about loving God. But the demonstration of loving God for a church, it always has to be their love for each other. You cannot love vertically this way without loving horizontally this way. As a matter of fact, I've said before, it's a lot easier sometimes to do this way, isn't it? To love God because you don't have to deal with people, if we're honest. And sometimes people can be difficult. And sometimes people can be hard work. And sometimes we don't like people. And sometimes those people are sitting in the same church as us. 
Well, sorry that one came out, but you know what I'm talking about, don't you? That's the idea. So we're working together uh, away here. And Paul says this is the two things here that the church is known for, that they love God and they love each other. But there was a problem. Wrong teaching was coming into the church. And so people were trying to distract them and pull them away from what Paul had taught them originally. So Paul lays his strong foundation in chapter 1 of Colossians 1 and is simply entitled the supremacy of Christ that Jesus Christ is supreme. He's above all things and stuff. And Paul challenges them uh, by addressing who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And just one of the verses says, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. He makes two great points which we should understand tonight, which will help us tonight as we begin this introduction to growing. The first one is this, is Jesus Christ is supreme in creation, that at the beginning, beginning he was there because he's always been there and he is supreme in creation he was there at the beginning and so over everything there everything created Jesus Christ is supreme uh, but more important than that is this he is supreme in redemption as well which means Paul is sharing this is why God sent Jesus Christ his son because he loves the world, each and every one of us that's gathered here uh, tonight. He says he loves each and every, and he is supreme in that. There, there is no other solution, there is no other answer that the cross makes him supreme in redemption. There's not many ways to God. We heard this morning about Jesus saying the way, the truth, and the life. There is one way. And his name is Jesus Christ and he is supreme in redemption. So Paul is sharing that but as he comes to chapter 2 he challenges them uh, because th they're getting influenced by this opposition to Jesus Christ. People are coming in with clever ideas and uh, wonderful philosophies and all these strange things are coming into the church to sort of uh, di discredit who Jesus was. Uh, and, and so this was taking hold of the believers and it was leading them astray. Now we have to understand this, this is very true, that the message of Christ is true, life-giving and powerful. But it is also uncomfortable, challenging and hard. We have to accept that. There's no such thing as an easy Christian life, an easy Christian walk. We're challenged to do things that go against our human nature because we live by the spiritual nature which is Christ has put in us. It doesn't make any sense to love our enemies and forgive the people that have hurt us and all the other stuff that Jesus says. That's what makes the message of Christ true life-giving and powerful but it also what makes it uncomfortable challenging and hard that there are choices that you have to make and so Paul addresses this and in these two verses here in Colossians 2 verse 6 and 7 he says to the church and now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord you must continue to follow him let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow 
with thankfulness. And in these two verses, these are the two verses that Paul is encouraging the believers in their growth to keep, not just to keep going, but to keep growing. Because by way here of the opening of this verse, I often think sometimes this is one of the problems and difficulties that sometimes a lot of new Christians and those Christians on the road just at the beginning struggle with, that we accept Christ. And that becomes it. We've just accepted him. We've just said, I understand why. I've accepted what Christ has done for me. And their journey, in a sense, stops there. And yet Paul comes and says, you must continue to follow him. And then he gives the advice of what you've got to do then. You've got to let your roots grow down in him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And then you will overflow with thankfulness. So it's fairly straightforward here in the process of, of how we keep growing in our spiritual walk. Because when we continue, to continue something means to last, to endure to keep going sometimes we've just got to keep going sometimes we've just got to endure by keep going when we can't take any more steps the advice is to take one more step and when you feel like not taking any more steps the advice is to take another step and so that's simply what we do when we come to continue because the Christian life is often the ability just to keep going to continue but then to keep growing as well, that we grow down, we are built, and we grow strong. And that's how we keep growing. Because Paul does this, and he, he summons them back to Christ. He brings them, and he says, this is what this is about. You need to come back to Jesus Christ. He is supreme for both creation and redemption. But actually, as you've accepted him as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. That's the next step. The first step is to accept. The next step is to continue to follow him. And this is the challenge that there's no magic steps, there's no quick fixes, there's no shortcuts in this road to spiritual maturity. But actually, to keep growing, we do those things. There is often sometimes just the desire and the plan to continue and you need both there's no point having desire and intention if you've no plan to do anything he says because that's all that is it's just good intentions it's just saying well well i'll do this i'll do this tomorrow he says i'll do this you know when the time is right desire is is grand and intention is important but unless you have that plan to put in place and paul gives the plan here to the church in Colossae that we take from it tonight. You see, progress and growth in our spiritual walk consists of, not, of deepening, not discarding the basic truths of Christ. Not simply being on a journey where we learn more and suddenly the knowledge that we receive means we discard some of the simple truths about him. We don't do that. We build our lives upon the foundation of him as we continue to grow. And this is why he's saying this. Thing. See, the simple things of the Christian life, we understand, provide continual and reliable fuel for spiritual growth. When I drive my car and it runs out of petrol, I don't think to myself, I'm bored of putting petrol in it. What I should do is maybe try filling it with Coca-Cola or something, just to be a little bit different, because I'm fed up of putting petrol in it. I mean, I put petrol in it from the day and hour I bought it. 
I says, but you know what? Says petrol's expensive, Coca-Cola is cheaper. Uh, so what I should do when I pull up to the garage, instead of putting petrol in it, uh, which keeps the car going, I'm going to try Coca-Cola. And so if I put Coca-Cola in my car, I guarantee, no matter how much of it I put in my car, it says it's not going to take me anywhere. You see, what we do sometimes is we're looking for something new. We're looking for something, in a sense, that's fresh. We're looking for something different. And actually, a lot of the Christian life is this, is the simple things of the Christian life provide that continual and reliable fuel for spiritual growth. Just to keep doing the right thing. Not to look at it and say, you know what, I'm fed up of doing this. I'm not seeing anything happen. There is power in consistency. That doing those consistent things right. The power of keep turning up. The power of keep praying until God answers our prayer. The power of keep reading the word. Those simple truths that help us. Because they provide the continual and reliable fuel for spiritual growth. See, Paul reminds them of these things because it says those things that you were taught, Paul has already sat them down. He's already spoken to them and said, these were the things that you were taught that will help strengthen your faith. That sometimes when you give people good advice or when you help them with things that are going on in your life. And, and listen, being a pastor for many years now, I says I'm not surprised sometimes when people come and see you and say, this is happening to me in my life. And I give them the advice that I think, listen, not, not, this is I think what you should do. This is what I believe that God is telling you to do. And they go out the door and they ignore that and then they go and do something else. He says, because simply, often the, the, the challenge sometimes is we look at it and say, I'm looking for something different. I'm looking for something new. What the word of God says can't be true. But Paul says, well, listen, do you remember the time I spoke to you about the things that you needed to do? So it strengthened your faith. And it's just a simple, reliable thing. You see, the foundation had already been built. He says they are to build, they are to do these things. The first one is this, they're to be strengthened by Christ. That, that simply that relationship with him, knowing that we are forgiven and accepted, knowing he went to the cross, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul writes elsewhere in Philippians, because that's a strength that we receive. And you see, when we're having difficulties and challenges and trials and troubles, and no matter what anybody else says to us, if we don't take hold of this, it's Christ Jesus that gives us the strength to face the trials and the troubles that we need to go through Paul is just simply reminding them of this it's simply this is where you get your strength from this is where you get what you need to get through what you are going through you are to be strengthened by Christ and then Paul gives them that the second thing when he says where well, you're to grow in discipleship and it's simply that becoming like Christ reading the word understanding who he is this is a step to not just keep going but to keep growing and some of these things may be simple and look at it but sometimes we need just drawn back to these words here where people are struggling with the not just the keeping going but why am I not growing and we're helping them by saying listen be strengthened by Christ it says grow in discipleship and you see when that happens it says you're to bear much fruit you will bear much fruit. He says that's the thing that he's giving 
the church here in Colossae that we come tonight and see that we see that actually by doing the faithful, consistent things that God calls us to do, this will happen. Strengthened by Christ, growing in discipleship, bearing much fruit. He said there are three things that will help you grow and to keep going, that will help you grow and to keep going. The first one is this. The first one is truth. Knowing the truth. You know, the wonderful thing about the truth of God's word, it exposes our motives, it points out our faults, it rebukes our sin, and it expects us to change. We read the word of God because it is the truth. And when we read the truth, that truth affects us by the power of the Spirit, that we read it and it changes us from the inside out. That's why the word is given. You know, one of the things we're doing in the week of prayer and fasting, and whenever we did the kids' church, whenever I did the kids' church, you know, one of the most powerful things that we ever did was memory verses. I mean, when you were at Sunday school, you remember the memory verses, didn't you? And you always did it because you were going to get a sweet or a prize, didn't you? Yeah, but we were tricking you. We were playing a trick on you because when you learned the memory verse, it was because we knew the power of the memorized Bible in your life would come back to you later on. And it says, and that's why you encourage people to do the memory verse. But you know what we do when we become adults? We think that's just for the kids. We don't do the memory verses anymore. He says, now you would do it if I offered you sweets tonight, but what happens is we give up doing it yet the power of the memory verse is so important and essential in everything that we do that we're not just to read the bible but to memorize it why do we memorize it because it's truth so one of the things we've done in the week of prayer and fasting is we've put a memory verse in there and you know what we're going to do at the end of the week of prayer and fasting after we've prayed and after we've fasted anybody who comes to me and has memorized the verse I'm going to give him a prize. Yeah? I said, don't get too excited. Because you know how tight I can be. Do you know what I mean? So I'm going to give you a prize. Now you look at it and say, oh, we're not kids. We know that. But the power of the memorized verse in your life, it says, is the truth that a lot often is what a lot of people need for their growing in Christ Jesus. Not just to keep going, but to keep growing and say, remember the verses. We learn them at school. We learn them in Sunday school. We learn them in kids' church, and they help us. It says when we get up in the mornings, we have a devotions and we read them. Maybe there's a verse there that jumps out. And you ever found it when you remember that verse? You hold on to it for the day. I mean, it's not, I mean we can remember song lyrics. I mean, can't we? I mean, we remember some. I mean, even I remember song lyrics and stuff. I put on Spotify and there's different ones. Not even... Not even Christian songs, but and you're the same, eh? So, but you know, we remember lyrics, don't we? But when we come to the Word of God, which is truth that changes our life, we struggle with that. And yet, this is the thing that we need more than ever: uh, to truth, because the process is information. But the Bible is not just information; it's revelation. And it's not just revelation that, in a sense, that shows us something; it's application that helps us in our lives. Uh, and so that's why it's important for us to take that truth and put that truth into our lives to help us to keep growing. 
Somebody wrote this, and I thought this is great. It says, when the Bible becomes the authority in your life, it is the compass you can rely on for direction, the counsel you listen to for making wise decisions, and the benchmark you use for evaluating everything. But you've got to open it and read it. You've got to open it and read it, don't you? It says that truth's got to come in. It says that truth has got to change it because it is the truth. Uh, and that's how God uses it in our life. And so because it suddenly becomes, but how do we know what we have to do when we read the Bible? How, how do we know what the answer to a situation is when we read the Bible? How do we know what Jesus has done for us? Well, we read the Bible. It says, because the Bible is the truth. And it's a truth that changes us. And it's a truth that God uses to help us grow. Now, I've started with the most popular one. That would be a one we all go amen to. But it's something else that helps us as we grow. And the second one is trouble. Now, we don't always look at it and say amen. There was no amens for that. Nobody turns around and says, Lord, give me trouble. And give me, plen give me plenty of it. And he says, because we don't look at it like that. We know that trouble is coming. I've said this before. It says, you know, you're either, you're either in trouble or trouble's coming or trouble just left you. So straight trouble is and stuff, but God uses the trouble sometimes in our life to help us grow as believers. And we shouldn't be ashamed of that. That's a trouble that's used. I mean, the Bible characters that we know of, that we read of, I mean, look at the trouble that some of them went through and God was faithful to them to teach things. We don't learn anything new sometimes by not being in trouble. My favourite thing to do, as you all know, is to lie on a cruise ship with a mocktail in my hand, with the sun beating down upon me, where nobody disturbs me, nobody knows I'm there, the mobile phone is off. You know what? He says, I don't learn anything at that point. I love it, but I don't learn anything at that. Why? How would we, what were we going to learn? And so if I love to be there, I love to do that. But at the end of the day, the reality is God uses trouble to develop excuse me, to develop who we are. Even more so, this, we look at it and say, God uses circumstances to develop our character because what happens on the outside is never as important as what's happening on the inside. That stuff happens, trouble comes, and sometimes we look at it and think, how on earth am I going to deal with this? And in the middle of all that trouble, God gives us a peace because we know in the middle of that trouble that we're facing, that God is using that to develop something in us to take us on to the next point. Because he doesn't just use truth, he uses trouble as well. So all the hard stuff that we're sharing, all the hard stuff that we're going through, all the difficulties and the challenges that are there at the moment, we hold on to God. Uh, because that, that point, we're learning something, but he's developing something in us that could be hard to take sometimes we heard that this morning it says oh none of us wish for patience none of us pray for that we don't want when, when God when we pray for patience God puts us an impatient situation driving home the worship music is on and somebody driving slow is in front of you and you suddenly realise my patience is getting tested. I have to turn the worship music off because of the wrong thoughts that are coming into my head. But you do that as well. Because we suddenly realise that God is developing something 
within us by not giving us exactly what we're praying for but putting us in the situation and the circumstance that's developing and it's usually the trouble trouble doesn't always automatically help us grow there's often at times when we face trouble it says we can become discouraged uh, we can become bitter it says I love it and this encourages me so much when I know people are having the most difficult of times I've heard the most horrendous news in the week and they come through the doors of church on Sunday and nothing is stopping them coming to church nothing they're coming to church because they know this is the place that they need to be it's easier to stay at home and say you know what I'm having I'm having a tough time we know everybody goes through tough times but listen this is a place where God deals with tough times when we're in the house of God with the people of God encouraging and supporting in the trouble that we are going through you see adversity is not simply a tool it's God's most effective tool for the advancement of our spiritual lives of how we keep growing the circumstances and events that we see as setbacks are oftentimes the very things that launch us into periods of intense spiritual growth there are prayers that God did not answer for people in this room that you should be glad of and worship him for because you are looking at it and saying if God answered that prayer or you had got what you wanted it would have brought more trouble more adversity more difficulties in your life and sometimes and we look at it and say actually I, I, we look back and say well thank God that he didn't answer that prayer thank God he didn't give me what I wanted thank God I didn't make my own decision there that I kept growing and kept going through the trouble and the adversity and say once we begin to understand this and we accept it as a spiritual fact of life sometimes trouble and adversity just becomes easier to bear God what are you doing in the midst of this trouble this adversity the third thing that we see is this is temptation it says path to spiritual maturity it's a stepping stone rather than a stumbling block temptation doesn't lie around us it begins within us and it says often a tool that God uses to help us grow they guarantee this because this is true it says what I'm dealing with is not what you're dealing with what you're dealing with is not what I'm dealing with and what you're dealing with is not the person next to you is dealing with there is differences for each and every one of us and God uses that in our life it says it does not lie around us but it begins within us you see I've said this already that God helps you to grow by allowing you to experience circumstances in which you are tempted to express the exact opposite quality it's like the prayer I prayed once it's Lord I need to lose weight it says don't let me don't let there be a parking space outside the cake shop if I know that it's your will and, and I did that it took me seven times to drive round before I got a parking space and often at times we, we can be like that we're tempted to express sorry the exact opposite how do we do this it says he helps us to grow things like this when, when, when we know we need to love God will put unlovely people in your path maybe you're sitting next to one of them tonight <laughs> I was going to say if you sit next to your wife or husband no, well, you know, but maybe you'll find that that's the temptation sometimes that, that is there that, that actually we're to love who we're to love but everyone all in 
says, who's welcome? All of everybody. Come and take a seat with the rest of us. He said, wouldn't it be an awful boring church, boring world, if everybody was the same? He says, we love unlovely people. And we do that in our church. And eventually, when the love of Christ comes into both those lives, actually, they become lovely people to each other because that's what we have as a connection. And uh, the temptation is joy in the midst of sorrow. When you're in the middle of your deepest, darkest challenges, I said, the opposite is when you're sorrowing is to be depressed, to have a darkness over you, to be miserable. Uh, and yet there is something that God does in our life that gives us joy in the midst of the difficulties, the sorrow that we are facing as the exact opposite. Because the temptation when we're sorrowful, when the world is against us and we're carrying all the burdens of life upon our shoulders, is simply this, is to not have joy. But we do. We see this similar peace in chaos and confusion, knowing that God is in control. Patience in times of waiting, which I've already said. Humility, when we could be proud. Endurance, when we want to quit. Receiving exactly the opposite of what we need. When we're tempted to quit, we receive that endurance, that perseverance that says we keep going. So we see here as we come to the final thought, how we grow. Well, we grow downward by being rooted and rooted, our roots how deep they go, extremely important, the foundation of our life of, for us to keep growing. The second thing that we need is to grow upward by being built up. The third thing that we see is we grow inward, strengthened by our faith. And the final one with which I finish with says we grow outward, we overflow with thankfulness. We give thanks in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. It says, uh, in my devotions this morning, I read Psalm 34, verse 1, which says, I will worship the Lord continually. His praise shall be on my lips always. And I thought to myself, that was my memory verse for today. None of you noticed, but do you know what I mean? I wasn't looking at that. So I was just checking, it's not on the screen there, but that was my memory verse. But that verse tells me this that actually thankfulness is not just something that's on the inside. It's not just an attitude of the heart. It has to be an expression of the mouth as well. That actually when people say to you, well, I'm happy on the inside, then listen, that's okay. But actually we're supposed to express it and here with our thankfulness to what God has done in the midst of our growing, in the midst of our going, we're actually to express our thankfulness. Well, how do we thank God? Well, God is in control. God is doing a work in our life. He's not let us go. He's doing a work that's strengthening our faith, that's building us up. So we overflow. I love that thought of not just having thankfulness. You know, I'm thankful. You don't look very thankful. <laughs> Actually, it says you overflow with thankfulness. The idea of overflowing with thankfulness is something that excites us, something that, that bursts out from us, something that is an expression of praise. And Actually, people notice they're thankful. I can't understand why they're thankful. They've just got terrible news this week. I don't know why they're thankful. They're going through the worst time possible and stuff, but they're not just thankful they're overflowing with thankfulness. And I think that's the final key here that we look at for keep growing, not just to keep going, but to keep growing in Christ. And those practical points there just help us tonight 
on the journey that each and every one of us are on that we express our thankfulness that it overflows out of us because Jesus Christ is in control he is supreme not just in creation and redemption is supreme over your life as well when you think he has forgotten about you when you think that he is absent when you think he is silent he is none of those things he is supreme over your life tonight and it says the opportunity comes this evening uh, as we are here and we heard that message this morning that God did everything he did for us by sending his son Jesus Christ and maybe you've been coming to church for a few weeks now and stuff and you enjoy what goes on uh, and you like the, the atmosphere and the expression of what goes on but there is a choice that people have to make it says much like the church in Colossae that says am I giving my life to Jesus Christ am I accepting him because in accepting him the next step is to follow him and you know what the wonderful thing is that opportunity presents itself to everybody this evening and the challenge is there tonight because he loves each and every one of us that is gathered here for us to accept him follow him and build our lives upon him and you know what we're going to do? I'm going to pray in a second as the worship team join me on the platform. And at the end of the service tonight, we're going to be out in the foyer and we've got a prayer team. And if that's you tonight, just make yourself known to one of the prayer team. They'll take you into the prayer room, pray with you and just share a little bit more about what's been said this evening. But listen, that opportunity is there tonight. He says, listen, to accept Jesus, to follow him and to have your lives built upon him tonight. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this evening. We realise, Lord, as we, we, we read your word, the challenge that's there. Uh, but Father, it is an amazing challenge of what you do in our lives and with us. Uh, and Father, for each and every one of us in all of the different circumstances that people are facing, because some people in here uh, are facing difficult health situations, some people in here uh, are facing a tremendous addiction problems, some people in here uh, are facing great financial burdens, some people are facing so many different problems and difficulties in life, but there is not a need that you cannot meet tonight. That Father, as we come, as, the, as we read that word, that we accept Christ, we follow him and we have our lives built on him. And Father, that's a challenge that we throw out tonight, Father. Father, we didn't just want to have a religious service, Father. We want to have an encounter with you through the worship and through the word. And Father, so we pray this evening, Lord, that your spirit would speak to hearts tonight, Father. The Father, that those there, Father, still searching for answers, that they would be able to take that step, Father, towards you, towards knowing of all the other things in life. This is, this is what makes sense, though it's hard and it's challenging. Following Jesus Christ, giving my life to him, surrendering my life to him. The prayer that we pray this evening, and for those of us who made that decision, Father, help our lives to overflow with thankfulness tonight. Not just to show thankfulness, not just to be thankful, but to overflow with that tonight, Father. For all you have done for each and every one of us. And for that, we say thank you tonight in Jesus' name.